right, we are back with another episode of On the Delo. I am the Delo, and uh, I want to thank everybody for listening. It's been uh, it's been an amazing journey. We're coming up on a hundred episodes here so uh, so far. This is number ninety six, Kelly. Wow. Yep, number ninety. I feel honored. So I have my my good friend Kelly Cooper in today, and we just wanted to wrap out about life and some other things and what's going on with him. And I think it's important that uh, uh, people get to know him and get to know him as a as a person, the overall person, the uh, the, the man. The um, I, how long have I known you now? Is it twenty years? Yeah, it's twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I, time flies. Like I um, I feel. Uh, old with like a young soul. Does that make <laughs> think, any sense? I think we all kind of feel that way, right? Your body doesn't respond to the same things that your mind thinks anymore. No. And I continue to do stupid shit <laughs> and you would think I would learn. I don't know. It's just it's just weird. So I did want to ask you that. I thought I was thinking about this this morning. Um, Kelly is a very unique man's name. Yes. How many times still do people get confused if they're like calling you on the phone and like, may may I speak to Kelly? Is she available? Oh, every day. All every day. I, I get letters in the mail uh, addressed to Miss Cooper. Uh, <laughs> I I get, I get phone calls that is Kelly available? You got Kelly. Yeah, right. uh, and, and look, it's natural. I get it. Uh, I've only known a very few uh, male Kellys, and and historically, it's a male uh, Irish name, yeah. right? But over time, it evolved to be uh, a more female-centric name. Yeah, I love the uniqueness uh, of who I am, and I grew up with this name, so I, I'm used to it. I, L- look, I get my, it all the time. My sister's name was Chris. Okay. Right? It wasn't Christine. It wasn't, right. you know, <laughs> Christina. It was Chris, K-R-I-S. Right. But, you know, people call her Chris. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, that's cool. So, you're born in Idaho, correct? Idaho, Fall, Idaho Falls, Idaho. My father was um, a Navy man and uh, worked on subs. Um, Mom and dad got divorced when, when I was about five. Yeah. Uh, but I was born in Idaho Falls, and then we moved from there. Yeah, and you went to Chicago. So Chicago via Kentucky, where my, all the rest of my family is from. Yeah, I spent most of my my youth growing up in the north north suburbs of Chicago. Okay. He he went from um, Idaho Falls to the Naval Training Center in uh, North Chicago, Waukegan, North Chicago uh, area. Okay, and uh, was he? I mean, was he present during that time of your life, or was it more military? I mean, I was five and under. Yeah. I mean, how much do I really remember? Nothing. Uh, not very much. Uh, he did not want to be deployed. I think he only spent a little bit of time on a sub uh, mm. once. And when, Scary. When it's, on ship in general is tight quarters, uh, but he, uh, when they try to deploy him again is, I think, when he decided he didn't, he didn't want to be in. And maybe it was the prodding of my mom not wanting him gone for six months. And this is what, the 70s, early 80s? I mean, what? Uh, late 70s, yeah. Late 70s, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, in a, you're literally in a metal tube underwater. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, so uh, I've been on ship myself. I'm a Marine, yeah. as you know. And our living quarters, so from my elbow to the tip of my fingers, was the space from one bed to the next. Holy cow. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very tight quarters, and uh, you know they're like floating cities. And, and a submarine. And I don't know if you caught the the news story. I saw a headline. I didn't take the time to read the article, right. so please forgive me if it's false news or whatever. But yeah. it said basically that a Russian sub had gotten trapped, and a bunch of mariners were either going to die or had died. Mm-hmm. There's a sense of a complete and utter lack of control 
when you're in a metal tube under the ocean and you're not the one driving the boat. Oh, my God. And I remember my dad told me this one story. He said, you know, that he had come on to uh, duty and he walked into basically, I've, I've never been on a nuclear submarine marine. We played in the mud. Yeah. He said he walked into what would be the equivalent of the navigator or the, the driver and the driver had fallen asleep and the sub was in a dive <laughs> oh, heading towards crush depth. Ah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you go through that experience, I would imagine you wouldn't want to go out again. No, and like the deeper you go, the more pressure, correct? Right. Yeah. So eventually cool. you reach a point where the sub can no longer uh, sustain its form, yeah. crush depth. Because there's so much like density, the water down at the bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, that's, oh, that's eerie. Okay, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> all right, so so what got you, what got you into the Marines? Uh a little bit of uh, my father, a little bit of my station in life, uh, a little bit of fire in me. Mm -hmm. uh, so when my mom and dad got divorced, I was five. And uh, from that point on, my father was absent at, at best. Yeah. And so we moved around a lot. I uh, got to go to a bunch of different schools. Mm -hmm. I got to make a bunch of new friends uh, yeah. as a result of moving all the time. And when I graduated high school, you know, a lot of a lot of kids that grow up without a, a father influence sort of lack direction, if you will. Yeah. And so I did. I, I kind of screwed around in, in high school and barely graduated. Uh, my father was salutatorian of his high school. So there's baseline intelligence there, but high school was sort of boring for me. And so I blew off a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I don't have full ride to college. I don't I don't really have that option or opportunity. My mom is a single mom that's working three jobs to try to keep us in a decent school district. Yeah. And so I look around and you know, an Army or Navy recruiter approached me and said, you know, hey, uh, this I think would be a good opportunity for you. And I go through the process and, you know, recognize that uh, what I'm being told about what the promises are aren't really there. <laughs> and so I made the, jo the choice to go from that branch of service, which is sort of irrelevant to that, uh, to the Marines. And nothing's really different from one way or the other. All the recruiters are going to present to you the, the rosy story, and you'll find out later that... They're recruiting. Right. It's, right. it's, 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 not, it's not always that way. Yeah. Uh, but that's how I ended up as a Marine. I wanted to be better than my father. Uh, I, I wanted to be the best. Yeah. And I mean, what other way, right? What other way? Absolutely. Now, so, do, do you know, knowing what you know now, do recruiters get uh, bonus money for bringing people Yeah. In? Well, they have goals, yeah. of course. Uh, they, ha they have recruitment goals. And I, I served a little bit on recruiter's assistance after I got out of boot camp oh, okay. here in Arizona Yeah. Uh, for a couple of weeks and, you know, going to the high schools and talking to kids and glorying up what it is that you do. Right. Exactly. And... Uh, so yeah, they, they, they have goals and they have bonuses based on meeting their goals or not meeting their goals. Okay. It's similar to any other competitive business. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for your service. Uh, I think that's amazing. Thank and you. What, um, so when you got out of that, what, was it? did you immediately jump into the restaurant business? So I'd been in the restaurant business my whole life. Uh, when I was old enough to work, my first job was delivering newspapers as a kid, uh, back when you know yeah. parents trusted that their kids that could fun. ride their bikes, yeah. right? Uh, and then uh, when I was old enough to have a, a real job, I bagged groceries at the Jewel Osco in Vernon Hills. Okay. And then when I was old enough to have my first restaurant job, uh, I started bussing tables and washing dishes at the Baker Square uh, right across the street from the Jewel Osco. And I did that uh, junior and senior year in high school. Mm. 
Uh, I worked my way through busing busing tables, washing dishes. I was a pie baker because this was a baker square. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managed the, the host desk, cashing people out. Uh, I became a line cook, uh, scrubbed flat tops. All I wanted to do was serve. Yeah. And uh, and I don't mean serve like servant leadership, although that's a core of who I am. Right. All I wanted to do was serve tables because I saw that as the that's that's where you get the most personality. That's where people get to shine. Yeah. And uh, so there was one day we're closing down and I'm scrubbing the flat top and anybody that's ever done this knows you have a brick and my hand came off the brick <sighs> and flat palm across, <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs> across the flat top. And uh, so I went to the boss at that point. I was like, listen, I've, I've been here for a long time and I've done everything that I've been asked to do without question. I want to be a server. And uh, so I started serving at that point. Okay. Okay. Which was great. Uh, made some good money, made some good relationships uh, and, you know, it really helps it helps your interpersonal relationships, right? It, help, it helps you talk to new people. Right. Walking into a room cold and being able to go up and shake a hand and, and talk to someone without being overly shy. I think a lot of my childhood kind of led me to that position where I moved around a lot, um, but, got to do that. But it wasn't good enough because you still went into the Marines. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so I did that. I uh, went into the Marines. When I got out of the Marines, I went right back into the restaurant industry. I moved to Vernon Hills, its neighboring town from where I was living at the time, and um, started working for the TGI Fridays, mm-hmm. uh, became a server, uh, was promoted to bartender, uh, did the whole flair competition, if you remember. Yeah, were you like Tom Cruise? I don't know if I was like Tom Cruise, but I tried. Yeah. Uh, flipping bottles and all that stuff. I did the competition. Uh, did not win. I was technically the best, so I, my pours were all right on and all that stuff. But I was the first bartender they hired outside of the original crew, so you're talking guys that are layering shots on shoestrings and flipping bottles in the air. And, yeah. Um, technically proficient. How much flair did you get? Flair like buttons and pins and uh-huh. gesture hats yeah, and all the that? Flair. You've seen Office <laughs> Space, right? <laughs> that was listen, that was part of the, the, the company at the time and I think they've gone away from it now. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Suspenders and buttons all and pins stuff. and all that yeah. stuff for sure. So how long were you at Fridays? Uh, so I was at Fridays for about a year and a half and then I went off to Champaign-Urbana. Mm-hmm. I started the community college down there. So that was uh, one of the goals uh, in joining the Marines, not only to make me a better man, um, become sort of a, a symbolic father figure for me, and that's boot camp in a nutshell. Mm. Uh, it was to provide me that opportunity to go to university. Yeah. And so I went to the community college for two years. While I was there, I started working for a company called Biagi's. Uh, it's oh, yeah, Biagi's. Midwestern white tablecloth Italian. Yeah. And uh, I started opening restaurants for them uh, all over the Midwest and East Coast. And so at the end of my sophomore year at Parkland Community College, I had been accepted to the business school at the University of Illinois, Mm -hmm. and in between those two, uh, sophomore and junior year, uh, Biagis came to me and said, you know, we want to offer you a management position. Now, I always knew uh, from the time I started busing my first table that I want to own restaurants. Yeah. And my goal at the time was I want to own 10% of 10 restaurants, and right now I have a portion of three restaurants, so I'm not quite to my goal. Yeah. However... um, the choice facing me was, you know, do I do I continue to pay somebody at a university to teach me how to run a business, or do I let these guys pay me and teach me? And teach yourself, yeah. And so the obvious choice was to take that opportunity, and I did, and I opened five restaurants with them and moved around, um, you know, North Carolina, Idaho, or Iowa, Illinois, yeah, uh, and, you know, really built the foundation for 
cost structures and P&L management that, that I have today and uh, came to a point, uh, as many people do when you spend a lot of time with a company, your growth sort of stifles. Yeah. Uh, and I had reached that point uh, and looking for a new opportunity. My mom called me up and said, hey, I want to move to Cairo, Egypt. Can you come live in my home? Oh, wow. And this was uh, there about 20 years ago. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in that space. Right. And that's how I ended up here in Arizona. And so your mom lived in Chandler. She lived in Chandler. Uh, I ended up buying that house from her, and that's where my, I'm raising my family today. Holy yeah. cow, that's cool. It's, and your mom's still in Egypt? Uh, well, today she's back here, okay. um, but she still has a flat, a house. She lives in she lives in Egypt, and she comes back to visit. Oh, um, I'm so A couple of weeks. Does she go to the pyramids? Yeah, she can see the pyramids from her house. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and if you ever want to go, she'll give you the the locals tour, not the yeah, not the visitors tour. Yeah, I, I do want to go, but I'm not much of a traveler. Uh, no? It just scares the piss out of me going foreign countries. and. I mean, there's something to be said for that. I, I You know, we we talked a little bit about me being in the Marines, and, and I've never been shot at, right? Yeah. But I have been all over the world. Okay. All over South and Central America, almost every ocean-bordering country in Central America, um, South Africa, uh, Italy uh, with my restaurants, mm -hmm. uh, Cuba, South Korea, Okinawa. Wow. There, there's something to be said for having situational awareness uh, yeah. when, when you're traveling, but it is eye-opening for people. When, when you go from what's here to what's there, you start to gain a new perspective of, oh, I'm, of I'm, life. I'm sure, and I have zero of that perspective, but I can only imagine that us living in the States and any part of the states has got to be, you know, ten times better than most of the world. It is. Yeah, it, it yeah. is. Running water, you know, just simple shit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, speaking of the running water, my time in Cuba was on an hour's notice. Back when Castro was opening his borders and sending everybody to Cuba. Oh wow! So we got deployed. Uh, we were Alpha Increment Air Alert, and this is in the mid '90s. We had no running water, no electricity. Uh, we're living in ten-man GP tents, and the equivalent of here during the summer, and so we're taking we're taking showers uh, out of a bag uh, with cold water. <laughs> my God! And that's when I realized that uh, the Marines make you strong, uh, but the Air Force has some cushion. They showed up with uh, accordion hooches and full-size refrigerators and bunk beds, really, and air conditioners. Oh, like halfway in, I was like, they share. No, not no. really. No. no, not unless you were attached to them. So if you if you took um, a temporary assigned duty to make Kool Aid or work in the mess hall or whatever, yeah. then 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 you got assigned there. That's too funny. <laughs> so all right, so back to Chandler. So okay, so you're here now, and I mean, was the was the melting pot your first introduction to restaurants out here, or did you do something else? No, my first job here in Arizona was um, rock bottom. Oh, right. I started with the rock bottom at Desert Ridge. Uh, I worked with, um, you're familiar with the brewery Helton Brewing? Yeah. Um, Brian Helton was the brewer. No kidding. Uh, Rob Rodriguez, who I th I'm not sure now, I think he still works for Four Peaks. He's oh. a brewmaster over there. Okay. Uh, worked at the Iwatuki Rock Bottom. Yeah. Which was my second place. So I started at uh, Desert Ridge, transferred down to Iwatuki, uh, worked for them for about a year. Mm -hmm. And then proximity-wise, two miles away was where my melting pot is. Yeah. And um, I started working there after about a year as an assistant manager. Right. And 
spent my time uh, there. I'd come uh, kind of into a situation where there wasn't a, a true leader in the business. Yeah. Uh, we had a couple of guys that were competing to be the, the GM, if you will. And uh, where I had come from, uh, I was asked my opinion, you know, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of that guy? And I said, well, you know, here's here's my view of this person's strengths and opportunities. Here's my view of this person's strengths and opportunities. I, I'm here for the business. So whichever one of these guys you choose, I'm going to support them and I'm going to help them. And, and we're going to make this business uh, as good as we can. And I walked out of that meeting and was offered the GM position. Ah. Uh, and so, I, you know, it's a, a lot of it's the, the meeting of preparation and opportunity. You know, it's what people call luck, right? It's called good attitude. And also, I, I wanted to get your take on what does sweat equity mean to you? What does that definition mean to you? Sacrifice. Yeah. Hard work. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I'm the GM of a restaurant now. I'm not. I'm not the owner. I'm not the the person in charge. Uh, I answer to the person that's invested in that business. Yeah. And I make the commitment to make that business as good as I can because I hope that that work is recognized and somewhere down the road, you get rewarded for that hard work. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case. Right. Uh, you have to be in the right situation for that, but that's where I was. And so anything went wrong, I'm, I'm the guy to fix it. Any time of day, I, and that's really still kind of who I am. Yeah. Any time of day, I'm the guy to fix it. You, you, you have an issue, uh, you can ask me, and I'm, I'm either going to find the answer or I have the answer, and I'm going to either help teach so that you don't have to ask again. Yeah. Um, or if you don't have time, I'm going to do it, and we're going to get it done. And at, at the end of that exercise, if you've earned the respect, the trust, and faith of the people that you work with, then you get, get rewarded. And oftentimes, you get rewarded. Not always. Yeah. There's, there's plenty of people that do that and, and don't always get to reap the rewards. Uh, so I was lucky. And um, there came a position... Uh, a point where the person that was supervising the restaurants had left and I was offered that role mm. uh, and offering that role came with um, a small bit of ownership Good. and continued to reinvest that into myself yeah. and grew that, um, expanded that into the second unit. And then over time, uh, my business partner, Dan, uh, who you know very well, yeah. uh, and I have continued to grow. We've ebbed and flowed with the amount of different partners that we had. Uh, we have three complete partners in each business today, well, four in the sports bar. Yeah. And But over time, you know, we bought the Tucson uh, melting pot. Uh, we opened the Glendale melting pot. Uh, we closed the Tucson melting pot. Yeah. Uh, we closed the Scottsdale melting pot, luckily, um, just out of pure luck and happenstance. We come to the end of our second 10-year lease right before COVID. Yeah. And the landlord in the position that they were in at the time wanted a 40% rent increase. That's not going to work. No, not in the business environment that we were in. Uh, we looked at that opportunity and, and wanted to stay there, uh, but not at that rent rate. That was just a bit much for us. Right. And blessings again, um, a, a pandemic hits the country, which is awful. Right. But we had happened to be in that position where we had backed out of that unit, uh, which drove additional business to other, other two restaurants and really helped us survive. Yeah. Um, we, we run very lean. Uh, we tend to try to run debt-free uh, in our businesses to make sure that we're in a position to be able to tighten up in hard times. And I think we're about to face a little bit of hard times. 
and it helps us get through. We got through the you know the 2008 housing crash. We got through COVID. Opening a new business, so the sports bar that I mentioned, as you know, mm-hmm. we opened right before then as well. Right, um, and that. <laughs> That was an interesting experience. Well, sports bars and melting pots are definitely two different dichotomies. And I mean, you know, for people listening, like, and I think most people know, but like, what is your definition or if you're going to tell somebody about the melting pot? Because it really is a very unique experience. And I think that uh, alone deserves kind of a promotion because it's been around for a long time. You know, and people go there to obviously celebrate events and special occasions and stuff like that. So how, how has that been an integral part of your life, being able to share that with others? And you know? oh. uh, Melting Pot was where I found probably the most connection and joy with people. Yeah. Right. Because in a lot of restaurants, when when you go into work. And, and some people feel this today. They're probably heading into a restaurant where they dread because sometimes they have that, that guest that's coming in that maybe is having a bad day and takes it out on them. You don't really have that at the melting pot. And the reason is the melting pot experience is about this. It's about you and I, you and your guest at a table, and it's about us. Mm-hmm. The food is great. The service and ambience is great, but it's about time to connect with your closest friends and family. Yeah. And that leads to people being happy. Most people that come in are just coming in to celebrate. We we focus on birthdays. Okay. Uh, the melting pot for us is we want to we want to be the place that you want to go and celebrate your birthday. Now that's not all we do, obviously. Um, we have people that celebrate Every year's anniversary. Yeah. And some of the most exciting times is seeing someone come in and celebrate a 50th anniversary. Oh, wow. But let me tell you, it's also one of the most pressure-filled times. Do you think they're going to have another 50th anniversary? I mean, you have a significant amount of pressure making sure that that event for those people mm-hmm. goes perfectly. And, and you can't take that lightly, and you can't take it as a routine. Right. You can't go, oh, well, I do this every single day. I see a 50th or 25th or a 10th anniversary every day. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. It's about that guest that you're serving. It's about their memory of this night because they're going to have that memory for the rest of their lives. And you're obligated to make sure that it goes down as one that they do remember. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, man. Well, I that's a good segue in the in the essence of you talk about wanting to serve. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, you want to serve um, hospitality, you want to serve food, you want to serve a beautiful environment. Um, why you opened a sports bar, I still don't know, but I'm sure I'm sure you're having fun with it. Um, hey, we listen. We got the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. It, we got the yeah, Suns no. about to start. It, a whole different like dichotomy, you know, of things going on over there. And I'm sure that's cool. And I'm sure eventually you guys probably have. You know, time to, you know, maybe you want to expand that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, But you talk about serving. So I'd I'd be remiss not to talk about the biggest thing going on in your life and and, and having people understand why the hell you want to do this. But I I want you to have a voice in in that and make sure I get it right. What um, District 4, you're running for Congress again. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, You ran two, well, a year ago, but last, yeah. Um, So tell me what, I mean, how does a restaurateur, ex-Marine, get into politics, and why do they get into politics? So former Marine, 
Yeah. Some, some, some of us get former. a little touchy yes. about that. Yes, of course. <laughs> Still uh, a Marine. Yeah. So uh, to be honest with you, I, I go through, I went through COVID and, and it's easy for me to pinpoint the moment. During COVID, and I told you going through COVID at the sports bar was difficult. Yeah. So we had to lay off all the staffs of all the restaurants. Melting Pot isn't really conducive for to-go food. So you, we're not in an environment when the whole state is shut down to do much of anything. Right. At the sports bar, we can make food to go. And so I did that. The chef and I stayed there, and we worked every day, um, you know, noon to six, cooking food. I cooked food. We made to-go orders, and we would uh, bring out food. There was a day where I ran out of toilet paper at home. All of us experienced this, or yeah. most of us experienced this. And I had to stand in the line waiting for toilet paper. And at that moment, I realized I have a paper company. So I called the paper company and said, listen, every, all the businesses are closed. Do you guys have toilet paper? And he's like, yeah, I got a warehouse full of it. I was like, you have to be kidding me. Send me 200 rolls. So he sends me 200 rolls of toilet paper. I take that toilet paper, take a couple home for me, and then I start giving it out with to-go orders. Mm. And the point was to take care of the community. Now, we're a little bit far away from that, but when I went home and I explained it to my daughter, Kennedy said, and she looked at me, and I'll try not to choke up because <laughs> I do every time I tell this story. She looked at me and she said, Daddy, you shouldn't have to do that. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And it struck me that we're supposed to be in an environment where we can be successful. We're supposed to have an environment where our hard work allows us to be successful. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see that. And, and I still see it today. There are a lot of challenges facing people in my district and, and really across America. And it's not about divisive language. It's not about calling each other names. It's not about... Um, how evil can we make the other person? Because the person in that seat is not a bad person. Yeah. He, he, to me, just represents policies that are not in the best interest of the majority of the people. And so for me, it became a mission and still is today to make sure that the American dream is not only available for us, but for our children. Yeah. And so that moment with my daughter made me realize that 20 years from now, I don't want to look back see the position we were going to be in and say, I knew it was coming, Kennedy, and I didn't do anything about it even though I could. Mm. Wow. And so, so here I am. Yeah. And it sucks. Politics is dirty, and they make up stories about you, and uh, they, they take things you say and twist them and make them sound like different things. Yeah. Uh, and you know that when you sign up for it. It's, you know? a, it's a business. It, it is, yeah. uh, unfortunately. And for me... Um, my business is, is servant leadership like you. It, it's about trying to do the best thing for the people um, when you can. If, yeah. I'm, if I'm in a position to be able to help, I'm going to work hard to try to help. That's all I want. And I'd like to make sure that the people in this district that struggle paycheck to paycheck or struggle with credit card debt or struggle with the idea that they can even buy a home. Mm -hmm. or the, I, I met a guy last night that had to come out of retirement. And that story's not new. It's not new for anybody that's listening or watching. Right. Yeah. It happens all over the place. Uh, but I think that we can make better decisions that put people in a position to find themselves successful with hard work. Yeah, and you're, you're willing to 
put a lot of your life um, out there <laughs> and you're willing to, um, you know, go to battle for those that do need this and, and also do it, you know, I, really most importantly for the next generation, you know, mm -hmm. your kids, my kids, all that sort of thing. Would you say in your <clears throat> in your short uh, stent so far um, of politics, which I'm sure it's felt like an eternity, would you say that there are other really good people that are out there that just people don't hear about? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, there there are many, many good people involved in, interested in working on a servant leadership basis to help people. Yeah. The people you hear about most frequently oftentimes are, are that way for their own self-interest. Mm -hmm. uh, the people that you find that tend to have everybody's best interest at heart are usually quiet. They're hard workers. Uh, they're behind the scenes trying to make sure that uh, the right policy in it is enacted, the right information is out there. You won't, you won't see them lighting their hair on fire, running around the Supreme Court screaming about this or that. Yeah. Because that's, there are issues that are facing people, and there are things that need to be addressed uh, but we have real significant priorities today that have to be addressed. Yeah. And, and it's usually the people that are quietly working diligently and very hard to make that happen. And there, there are some. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, they get overshadowed by the people that many people view as grifters, if you will. Well, you go, you go back to earlier, and you talk about a headline that you read, and it seems like everybody's just reading headlines nowadays just because that's the, that's the world that we live in, you know? It is, uh, and, and that's one of the biggest problems in politics is that it's, it's driven by headlines, yeah. uh, and we're obligated to be an informed electorate. We're obligated to do the research. Nobody else can do it for you. Right. And, and I think that one of the challenges people face is where do we get true information? Yeah. Right? Where do you, where do you find do out you what's go? true? Right. Yeah. Uh, many, many of the stories that were told about me last cycle, a simple scratch of the surface, and you'll go, well, that's just not true. Yeah. Yeah, well, you got to go find it in your backyard. Um, all right, so let's talk about you, the 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 man, the myth, the legend. I want to know your your daily habits. What are your non-negotiables? What do you do? Like, what you know, when do you wake up? And and again, this can be this can be loose. Sure, but, sure, sure. You know, kind of like what what do you what takes up your day? In in my home life, uh, so I get up at there about six, uh, work with the kids to get them ready for school. Yeah. Uh, with the exception of this morning, I drive my kids to school every morning. Okay. Uh, they go to a public charter uh, almost right across the street from the house. Oh, cool. And uh, then I come home. Uh, I get ready for work. Uh, almost every day I go to the sports bar. Um, I have great operating partners at the two melting pots, and uh, I from behind the scenes now do a little more supervision and guidance work. Yeah. Uh, but I spend most of my time at the sports bar. Uh, from political perspective, I then have to do uh, the non-fun part of politics, which is spending three, four, five hours a day calling to try to raise money to be able to get your message out. Yeah. A lot of people think politics is just about money, and frankly, it kind of is. If you can't get your message out there, it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe. Yeah, you got to pay to get so, your message out. Uh, and we're in a very expensive media market. 100%. So uh, after that, then I spend my time uh, with uh, the restaurants. Uh, sometimes I'm over in Ahwatukee. Sometimes I'm in Arrowhead. Uh, sometimes I'm at the sports bar. Uh, go through that day about 5 o'clock. Uh, usually I'll come home, uh, check in with the family, and then 
oftentimes I'm off to an event. Yeah. So 5.30, 6 o'clock last night, I was uh, in Mesa uh, speaking with a group. Um, tonight, I'm free, I think. Oh, look at that. Uh, every night, I'm, I try to be home by 8. Uh, I, I go over math homework with my kids. Um, I'm the math brain. My wife is the uh, classical liberal um, brain. She does the uh, reading reading and um, poetry and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she actually volunteers at the school. She's the librarian now oh, or wow. part time. OK, very cool. And uh, it, it's important to me uh, because I'm, I'm committed to working for and helping the district. But that's not in lieu of my family. Yeah. So I, I love to be able to put my kids to bed every night. It's important to me that I try to make it home before nine because that's bedtime. Yeah. And uh, I love to be able to check and go over homework with them, make sure that they, they're on the right path. And then on the weekends, um, I try to stay away from politics if I can. Yeah. Um, Sundays uh, in the mornings, we go to Compass Christian, um, just south of the 202 South in Chandler. Okay. Uh, Saturdays, we try to have you know movie night with the family. Nice. Um, and then uh, you start it all over again on Monday. I know, just to do the rotation. No, that's great. That sounds like a very, very complete, uh, complete life. And I'm sure you've had to um, up your suit game lately too. Yeah, I've got a couple of them uh, getting getting set up now. I, you know, if if you're going to be out representing people, especially in in a federal position, right? I, yeah. I think it's the suit and tie, right? It, I, look, I, whatever. I'm not here to judge. I wear rat T-shirts to work. So. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't blame you. If I'm at the sports bar, you'll yeah. most often find me in a T-shirt. Right, yeah. Uh, but in the position of representing other people, you know. Yeah, it's the suit. I mean, that's why they call it the suit. You know, mm -hmm. it is what it is. All right, that's awesome. Um, all right, so I have some rapid-fire questions for you. You ready? Mm. Now. Okay. Cucumbers or apples? Apples. UFOs or dragons? Oh, that's a good one. Um, the kid in me wants dragons, uh, but the the adult in me is real curious about UFOs today. All right. <laughs> well, when you get in the office, I want you to dig those files out for me. Right on. Um, Van Halen or ACDC? Hmm. Van Halen. Good call. Um, a, pl a pontoon boat or a speedboat? Ooh. Uh, pontoon, man. Uh, I'm more uh, hang out and interact with friends and family. I actually used to have one uh, and take the family out and do some fishing and hanging out. There you go. Those are fun. Uh, fish or steak? Ooh. Uh, the healthy healthy guy in me says steak, but or fish, but uh, it's steak. Yeah. It's steak. It's always steak. Eggs or pancakes? Eggs. Uh, open or close? Come on, you're in the hospitality business. Open or close? Oh. <laughs> you know, I like open. Open is the exciting part of the day. It's the, Everything's fresh and new, and yeah. anything can happen. Close is sort of like when you're wrapping it up, and most of us in the hospitality industry at close, we're, we're on, like, mid-streak. We're still on our high. Yeah, totally. And it's like, what do we do now? Right. Can't go to bed right after. Uh, 100 push-ups or 100 squats? I mean, you saw me walk in, so neither. Um, <laughs> now, probably push-ups. Probably push-ups. Uh, what, what, when, um, when you were in boot camp, what did you have to do? Uh, so uh, boot camp minimum physical standards, uh, well, a perfect score uh, is 200 sit-ups, or 80 sit-ups in two minutes, uh, 20 pull-ups, and a three-mile run in on 18 minutes or less. 
Okay. Uh, that's not to get in. Uh, to get in, you can basically speed walk a mile. Yeah. Um, do three pull-ups and uh, like 20 sit-ups or something. Uh, I always had perfect scores. Uh, I, I was in much better shape. I was also younger. Yeah. Uh, Wait, we're so. younger. That's funny. Um, <laughs> boot camp or fundraising? Oh, boot camp. I'll take that <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> I knew that would be a good one. And then uh, last but not least, Arizona summer or Chicago winter? Oh, Arizona summer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty easy choice. Yeah. I, I, remember, I remember walking to school in Chicago. So you get up, you take your shower, you get ready, walk, and go to school. And I lived like three blocks away from the high school. Yeah. And in those three blocks, my hair would be frozen, and you couldn't form a spit. Oh. It was that cold. It was like come out and like freeze. <laughs> That's so weird. Oh god. All right, no, this has been fun. So where can how can people support you? Where can they find your and, and I'll put this in show notes, but just tell everybody, you know, um, now that we're at the end, like things that you want them to know as far as Sure. Uh, yeah, listen, uh, this this is a pretty critical time in, in, I think, American and Arizona history, and you can find out more about me at my website. It's kellycooperarizona.com. It's all spelled out. Uh, you can volunteer for the campaign there. You can contribute to the campaign there. Uh, as you've heard me say, fundraising is one of the most important things that you have. If you believe in the message, come hang out with us and contribute. Yeah, I think um, I, I think I'll leave people with this. I, like I, like we said in the beginning, I've known Kelly oh, probably two decades now, and the fact of the matter is, just because he's putting on his you know politician hat, he hasn't changed as a person at, at all. He's the same person that I, I grew fond of and have you know fell in love with as a friend for the last you know twenty years. So um, even if you just want to come out and hang with somebody cool and other you know obviously birds of a feather flock together, I right. think it's I think it's good to just kind of you know check out his website, check out where he's going to be, and just see if that's something that resonates with you. It can't hurt. No, and I, I think you know we've done a lot to make that that touch point a, a counter narrative for the messaging that will come out. Yeah, you, you hear something about me, go look at the website and see if it's true. Yeah, and and that aside, like especially if you're in the hospitality industry, we, we have a person that owns restaurants that's more hospitality than he is politician. Just kind of <laughs> like I'm more hospitality than I am insurance. So it's just one of those things where you know come and see what a fellow hospitalitan is doing, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Politician. So I just made up that word. All right. Well, that's been great to have you. Thank you for coming down and Absolutely. sacrificing your kids' drive to school to come hang out with me. Oh, uh, they love you. Come uh, on. They're good. They're good kids. You have a great family. They're thank beautiful you. Beautiful family. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, also, in show notes, I will. Uh, I'm also going to post about the uh, the mastermind that Jeremy Scott and I are having, and we're getting ready to launch that next uh, next month. Got a lot of applicants so far, but would love to hear from a few more if that's of interest and then um please you know subscribe to the podcast give us a five star we'd really appreciate it it helps with the view it viewage and all that and until next time peace out